Our scripture reading this morning is John 15, 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is God's word. Thank you, Sister Cricket. Um, If Brother Joy was scared a little bit, I'm scared more. Uh, (laughs) Not easy to speak uh, among people who are more learned than scholars, Bible trainers, those who have come and trained us. Now we come and speak here. Uh, Thankful to God for this opportunity. Uh, Thankful to God for uh, the first event partnership. Um, I cannot imagine uh, how God has united us and what uh, your church has accomplished apart from supporting us regularly for many years. Um, Personally, my own family is supported more than 30 years by your church, and it's amazing. Um, And uh, so many of our projects work and praying for us, but also sending so many people uh, so that from your church we know so many families personally, and it's a blessing uh, to work with you. We are so thankful to God for this, and uh, we hope and pray that uh, as much as you give us uh, the Lord will reward you much more 100 times in this life and eternal life in the age to come. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, we pray that you will continue to uh, work with us and join us. Um, thank you for this opportunity to share uh, the challenges that we face in India, and uh, today I wanted to share uh, briefly about the challenge of discipleship. Um, one of the challenges in India is that challenges keep changing. And a uh, few years ago when I joined OM, the great challenge was to reach the nation, especially North India, with the good news. Um, and uh, uh, our goal was to go village after village, house to house, and saturate the nation with the good news of Jesus. Now, that has ba- uh, brought so much fruit. And so the next challenge is how to make disciples of all these people. And I've realized that uh, bringing people to Christ is sometimes easier than to make disciples because then you end up relating to a lot of language, culture, religious issues, and help people to become true disciples of Jesus. Um, In the Bible, there are different pictures given of our relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the beautiful picture is of the wine and the branches in this chapter that uh, Sister Cricket read. Um, The whole purpose of this relationship with Jesus is the glory to the Father, verse eight, uh, that we bear much fruit and bring glory to the Father and become 
proved to be the disciples of Jesus. So that is the, the end goal in mind when Jesus uh, uh, presents us as wine and the branches. Um, there are three challenges that we face in India. Um, I'm going to mainly speak about India because that's the country I know, and I hope you will be able to relate to your challenges that you face. The first challenge related to uh, discipleship that we face in India is the suffering that people face. Um, it is presented here as pruning. I am the wine, my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So pruning um, uh, is part of a Christian life. Um, it's very strange that Jesus starts his parable with this. Um, though many preachers uh, leave this out, I also never realized that I was not preaching about the suffering that involves when people follow Jesus. Uh, but many believers are because of that surprise, because as soon as they become Christian, the persecution starts. Their family rejects them, their community may reject them, they may have to find a new place to go and uh, live. And so, they are surprised when I followed my gods, uh, when I was uh, following uh, my own religion, everything seems to be going okay. But now, the whole world is against me. There are lots of problems, you know. Following Jesus uh, is difficult. Uh, the gardener in this story seems very ruthless. Why would you disturb a branch that is already beautifully growing and bearing fruit? But he goes and still prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. You know, uh, as a pastor, as a leader, sometimes it's very difficult when people, families who have believed in Jesus go through suffering. You know, sometimes you can't do anything except praying for them or being with them. Um, and sometimes you wonder why God would do this, you know, but he does not have any advisor. Nobody tells him what to do and how to do it. And so suffering is part of Christian life sometime from the beginning, first day of spiritual life. That is a challenge that we face. Um, more difficult are his pruning instruments. The way he prunes his branches you know, he uses his word, verse three uh, mentions here, um, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So his word is something that he uses. Um, it's very difficult sometimes when God speaks to us and tells us what is wrong with us. Uh, but that is his instrument to cleanse us, to prune us, and uh, we, we bear with this. More difficult are the circumstances that he uses as a pruning instrument. He brings difficulties, tough times, sufferings, so that uh, we will learn to be his disciples. Um, uh, persecution is very common in India and many other nations. In the open door list of the most persecuted country now, India is on the top 10 list. Last year we had 500 attacks on Christian missions, which means more than one uh, incident happening every day. So all over India, all the time, sometime you read is how a church, a missionary, or a pastor is attacked. So God uses his word, his circumstances to prune us. The most difficult thing God uses is people to correct us. And that 
is the most difficult because people are not perfect. They themselves have a serious problem and they are trying to correct us. But that's how God uses his people uh, to correct us and get us right. And uh, I've struggled with that often. Um, many years ago, one Indian preacher gave a story of uh, a boy, clapper boy, and I've never forgotten that. It helped me uh, to understand what God is doing in my life and, and uh, adjust to that. Um, in the olden days, when the kings ruled our country, they used to go for hunting, and there were many ways of going for hunting, uh, but one method used a slave boy, uh, a slave boy who goes in front and claps, so he's called a clapper boy. And the king and his cohort will come on the elephants, sitting on the elephants safe and with their guns. The jungle looks very beautiful, serene, um, butterflies are flying, and everything seems to be very nice. But don't be deceived, there are wild animals hiding in the bushes. As the boy walks forward while clapping, the animal, the predator, thinks the boy is alone and tries to jump on the boy to kill him. The trick, the challenge for the king is to kill the animal before it hurts the boy. If the animal hurts the boy, king has lost the game. If the, he shoots the boy by mistake, he has lost the game. Very cruel way to do go hunting, but that's how people manage slaves. Uh, but I learned a very important spiritual lesson out of that, you know, and I never forgot it. The preacher explained how our own lives are like a beautiful Indian jungle, you know. We think we have followed God, we are spiritual, we have got victory over most of the things, and we are on our way to heaven until somebody comes and does something or says something, a clapper boy, and suddenly, something jumps out of you, you didn't know was there hiding. Anger or hatred or pride or jealousy or backbiting. The trick is to make sure you don't kill the clapper boy. Or, but you kill the animal that jumped out of you. You know, I uh, worked in OM team, we had seven or eight people in the team always traveling village to village preaching the gospel, you know, and I always notice that there was one person in the team always who didn't like me, you know, and his job was to tell me what is wrong with me every day, you know, <laughs> and that was very difficult. You want to be a disciple, you want to be a holy man, you want to follow God, you want to love Jesus and be like Jesus, and then he comes and tells you what is wrong with you. One day, uh, we had some quarrel, and then we separated. I started reading Bible, and I thought, I couldn't read Bible. I thought there is something wrong with me, and I must go and tell him, uh, I'm sorry. And so I went to him, and I said, I'm very sorry. I was upset. I didn't know what I was saying, but as a, man, as a child of God, I must not uh, say this. Please forgive me. And he laughed, and he said, <laughs> I knew you will come back to me. I knew, from the beginning I knew. And again, <laughs> I want to say, forget the Bible, forget God, and who do you think I am? You know? Um, and I realized that I have an animal that I need to take care of. You know, he's a good man. God sent him, God put him here. I didn't choose, you know, you don't choose, uh, you don't choose uh, co-workers, God gives 
you don't choose church members, you don't choose them. God sends people to your church. And so we have to manage the clapper boys. If you are married, I'm sorry, you have a clapper boy in your house or clapper girl. <laughs> okay, 24 hours to tell you what is wrong with you, you know. When I married and managed my family very well, I had children. And then it's more complicated because no matter how the world appreciates you, how you are the greatest man of God in the world, children will say, Dad, you have no clue. You don't understand anything. Okay, all right. Uh, that is a, a way uh, God manages. I learned that I must trust the sovereignty of God. I cannot control the circumstances. I cannot control the people in my lives. The only thing I can control is myself. Make sure that you don't kill the clapper boy. You kill the animal that jumps out of you. Um, pruning is the first challenge that we face and all of us need to learn how to manage this. The second challenge is found in verse four. Uh, Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The second challenge is that we have continuous relationship with Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, most people coming to Christ don't know that giving their hearts to Jesus is a continuous, nonstop relationship. They don't know. I didn't know that. Did you know? Uh, the message that came to me was, uh, um, Jesus does not want your service, your ministry, your uh, sacrifice your offerings. He wants your heart. Okay. I said, that's easy. I give my heart to Jesus. Then they said, now that you have given your heart to Jesus, you have to give everything. And I said, well, I didn't know that. No, nobody told me. Um, I thought I will read Bible faithfully, attend the church once a week, uh, go to youth uh, Bible study, um, even give some offering, and then rest of it is mine. I didn't know that Jesus will take over my money my friendships, my family, even the person I love, Jesus is going to decide that. I have to ask him, should I marry this person or that person? You know, I didn't know that. And most people struggle with this. They think there are many gods in this world, but it seems forgiveness of sins can only come through Jesus. He is the only one who can heal, who can... Uh, uh, answer my prayers. So, okay, I will give my life to Jesus. Not realizing that it is an exclusive relationship Jesus is calling for. And it takes years and years to teach people to give up everything. Some people give up their idols the first day. Some people, it takes years because they don't understand that Jesus and Jesus alone, they need to worship. And so, that is a challenge we face. No wonder in India and probably other places, we have huge number of believers and very few disciples. Because people take years to learn that exclusive commitment to Jesus. Jesus says, remain in me. A branch does not remain in the wine temporarily. It's a continuous relationship. If you're cut off, you become wither and burnt in the fire. There's no other way that uh, you can survive. We need to remain in Jesus. And to teach that, we need leaders from their culture, their language, their caste, their community and religion 
uh, because this is a challenging thing to teach. So that is the second challenge. Uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me, Jesus said. The third challenge uh, that is found in verse seven and eight, uh, our Lord continued to say, if you remain in me and my rewards remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is my, to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, sowing yourselves to be my disciples. The third challenge is to have the words of Jesus remain in us. Um, connecting uh, people with the words of Jesus, word of God also is not easy. You know, it's very strange that most hardworking people can be so spiritually lazy that they don't relate to God's word faithfully. Most people are very happy to be fed like a baby. Mother gives food to baby. They are very happy spiritually. You empower them. And many of them never upgrade to eating with their own hands or someday making their own food and eating. That is a challenge. Most depend on spiritual fast food. You know, um, a two-minute devotion or a, a message somebody has sent on their, on their phone um, a, a Bible verse or a video, uh, two-minute video, and they are so happy. Wow, time with God is over. That is how people uh, treat the word of God. And that makes it very difficult to connect them with the word of God and go deeper in the spiritual life. Most of them complain that I don't understand the Bible. Brother, you understand very well, but somehow when I read Bible, I don't understand so many people complain that I had that problem. Um, two things I tell them when you want to understand what God is saying. First of all, I said you need to go deeper in God's word. You know, on this earth, the precious stones and the precious things are not found on the surface. You don't walk on the, in the park and found gold or silver or diamond, precious stone, and you pick them up. You know, if you want those things, you have to go dig and go deeper in the earth. Some people go dangerously deep to find the treasure. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gave an interesting parable of hidden treasure. A laborer goes to a field and uh, starts digging, goes deep and he finds a treasure. It must be a big treasure, it must be a mine or something because a small bag it was he could have taken away and walked away. It was a mine. So he goes home, sells everything he has and buys the farm. He buys the whole field and he becomes the owner of a great treasure. We were studying the Bible and there was an ethical question. Brother, isn't it wrong to deceive the owner? You know, you find a treasure. Instead of telling him, you go home, get the money, buy the farm and he sells you cheap thinking that it's not worth much and then you become rich. Isn't it morally deceitful. And I told them, yes, it is. In the physical world, it is deceitful. It's morally wrong to deceive people. But kingdom of God is upside down somehow, and things don't work the same like the physical kingdom. In God's kingdom, Bible says, whoever has, more will be given to him. Whoever does not have, what he thinks he has also will be taken away. Very, very ruthless. Think of a stupid farmer who kept farming and plowing his field year after year after year and never went deep. He must not be angry or jealous if somebody else goes deep and finds a treasure. How many times it happens? 
that somebody preaches the word of God and you get shocked, saying, wow, I never saw that. How did you find it? Well, this person went deeper. Unless we learn this discipline, we will not learn that. You know, I came to Christ at the age of 17 not because I thought I was a sinner. I thought I was not a sinner. I thought God was very happy with me and he'll take me to heaven straight away, no problem. I came to Christ because in the youth Bible study, everybody gave, kept giving testimony that um, God speaks to me. And I was very surprised. I said, I have read the whole Bible, God never spoke to me. It's like a farmer who never found the treasure. They said, you have to accept Jesus in your heart and then he will speak to you. I said, okay, not because I'm a sinner, but because I want Jesus to speak to me, I'm praying. I went home, they told me, open Luke's gospel chapter one and don't go further. Read, keep reading chapter one again and again and again. Wait on God, don't rush and he will speak to you. And surely enough, at night I went and read again and again and again and suddenly Jesus, for the first time in my life, spoke to me and I heard his voice. Until two in the morning, I was reading Bible. My mother says, go to sleep tomorrow. You have to go to school. I said, mommy, God is speaking to me. You know, it is one of the greatest gift on earth that we can have. I feel very sorry for my Hindu friends. One of my friends wakes up four in the morning, um, has a bath, and then uh, gives bath to his idol, and then sits for one hour in front of the idol and prays. And I get very impressed because I don't wake up at four o'clock and pray like that. And I said, excellent, I'm so impressed with you. What does the God tell you when you go there? And he looks surprised. Uh, God doesn't speak, we only have to tell him all this and then I talk to him for one hour. I said, imagine if I came to your house and I talk, talk, talk and I go away. Next day I come and talk, talk, talk and go away. Every day I come and you never say a word. Why should I come here? He said, I never thought about it. But God's never speak. I said, no, that is not my experience. Jesus speaks to me, you know. It should be a great good news to the world that God speaks to us. The treasure is hidden, brothers and sisters, and we need to go. So that uh, is a challenge of connecting people to God's word. The first problem they don't understand is they don't go deeper. The second problem has to do with the revelation of God. You know, when I came to Christ, uh, I was taught uh, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, Uh, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You know, I said, okay, I'll do it. Meditate day and night. But reading the New Testament, I realized that we have to move further than devotion. We have to upgrade from devotion. You know, if we read New Testament, we realize the Old Testament word is meditation, but the New Testament word should be revelation. What is the point of reading and meditating and studying God's word if God doesn't speak to us? I think it was A.W. Tozer who said once that Bible is not God's word if God doesn't speak to us. Because God spoke thousands of years ago does not make it a word of God. It is the word of God if he speaks to you today. Then it's a living word of God. And I think that place all of us have to reach. Um, We must not rush when we read Bible. We must wait to speak, God speak to us. 
You know, it's a matter of life and death because Bible says faith comes by hearing his word, his voice. Um, and God loves to speak. I, I'm surprised when people said I read, pray, and God doesn't speak to me. I don't understand that. From the beginning of the Bible, God walked in the cool of the day to talk to, his, to Adam and Eve. You know? In Israel, he woke up a little boy in the midnight to talk to him. And I was very surprised in two million people of Israel, couldn't he find a single man to talk that he would wake up a boy three times until he says, speak, Lord, your servant is hearing. The whole Israel knew that there is a prophet in Israel. Even the high priest had to go and ask the little boy, what is the word of the Lord? What did the Lord tell you? You know, that is the power of God when God speaks to us. And I uh, pray that God will speak to all our people uh, when they read Bible. You know, there are no mediator uh, between us and them, between God and them. God speaks directly to them. My prayer is often uh, what was Moses' prayer for his people. In Numbers, um, there is an interesting story when Moses almost gave up. He said, I can't lead your people, Lord. And God said, okay, all right, bring 70 elders of Israel and I will take the spirit from you and put on them. God did that. The cloud covered the camp. 70 elders prophesied. The clouds went away. Most of them stopped. Two young men, Eldad and Medad, continued to prophesy. And Joshua was very upset. And he ran to Moses and said, my Lord, my Lord, stop them prophesying. And Moses said to them, are you zealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. That is my, my prayer for people. That was the same prayer Paul also had. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul actually says to his people, Corinthians, who wanted a spectacular gifts from the Holy Spirit, he said, you have those, but I wish that all of you will have a gift of prophecy. Not telling the future, but bringing forth the word of God. So that when an unbeliever comes to your church and listens to you, he will fall down and worship God, saying there is God among you. You know, it is my prayer that people will connect with the word of God. They will go deeper. They will go upgrade from meditation and look for revelation from God. I look for revelation. I said, God, I need news something. Tell me from your word. Help me to understand how can I follow. So there are three things I shared with you, the challenges. First, we need to respond positively to the pruning which is uh, suffering that we go through. Second challenge is to continuous relate, relate Jesus, remain in Jesus um, and, uh, and follow him continually. In last 40 years, one of the greatest blessings is I met somebody 40 years ago and I meet them today and they are still following Jesus. You know, there is no greater joy. They must have gone through problems, sufferings, challenges, but they are still sticking to the wine to the, as a branch. You know, it's a blessing. Remain in Jesus. The third is let his word remain in us. I sometimes see people coming to Christ from India, communities coming to Christ, and I get very worried about my own people in the church. You know, a few years ago in Delhi, there was a rally, a protest. Um, you know, India is a different people groups, caste, and there is a caste group called shepherds. 
not necessarily they look after sheep, but it's a caste, okay? And there are about five million of them in India. They are not Dalits. Dalits are the untouchables, very helpless. These are OBCs, other backward castes, little higher than Dalits. They have their own lands, they have their own animals, cattle, and uh, they have money to eat and clothe well. But they realize they have not progressed much because of lack of education. So in Delhi, they had a protest, 1,000 people gathering. It was raining, but they were standing before the parliament, shouting slogan, give us English language, give us English education. There was a Dalit leader in the crowd. He went to them and said, you are wasting your time. You will not get education here. You should go to Christian. They said, Christians, we don't know any. So they gave my number to them. They said, call this guy. He will tell you what to do. So I live in Lucknow, which is 300 miles east of Delhi. But in the providence of God, I was in Delhi that night. And they called me 10 o'clock in the night saying, sir, we want to see you. I said, sure, come in the Ghaziabad area. There is a good shepherd church and I'm there. Please come. That night they came two leaders of All India Shepherds Association, um, General Secretary and the Treasurer. We sat in the church and they said, we heard that the Dalits are speaking very highly of you. So what do you do? I said, we do education programs, health programs, economic empowerment trainings, and we also teach about Jesus. They said, that is fantastic. Why did you go to Dalits and didn't come to us first? I said, well, because you didn't invite me. We don't force ourselves. All these communities that invite, we go and teach them. They said, why should we invite you? Uh, he said, my, the general secretary said, my son is studying in Delhi in a Christian school. And he told me that when your Jesus was born, the first invitation was sent to the shepherds. Is it true? I said, well, yeah, it is true. Uh, <laughs> then he said, you should have come to us. And uh, I said, I'm very sorry. It is true. When Jesus was born, the only community that was invited for birthday party was shepherds. No, nobody else uh, in Bethlehem or Jerusalem were invited. And uh, so I said, it's okay, but it's not too late. We can work together and, uh, and we'll sort out. Um, they said, why is your church called Good Shepherd Church? Remember the shepherds asking me. I said, well, because Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. So they are very happy looking at each other. Jesus is shepherd. We are shepherd. Same caste. <laughs> what is good shepherd? I said, well, Jesus said there are two kinds of shepherds. One shepherd sees the danger coming and he leaves the sheep to save his own life. But a good shepherd will never leave his sheep. He will give his own life for the sheep. And Bible teaches that we are the sheep and Jesus is the shepherd. He died on the cross. He said, wow, that is the meaning of the cross. I have seen cross many times. I never knew what is the meaning. I said, the cross means shepherd dying for the sheep. One more thing our Lord Jesus said, that I have sheep in other fold and they will hear my voice and they will come. Then there will be one fold and one shepherd. They said, brother, you speak our language. How did you learn this? I said, from the Bible. He said, can we have this Bible? I said, sure. I gave them the Bible. He puts his hand on his, he said, this is what our people need. You know, and I was so excited. Um, next week, about 50 people from Shepherd Community came in our office in Lucknow, and we have worked since then with their community. This kind of thing encouraged me, but also depressed me very much when I think of my own people. In Matthew 8, 11, this is what Jesus said. He said, the people will come from the east and west and sit 
at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the children of the kingdom will be thrown out. Isn't that a very depressing thought? You know, very, very difficult. Why would people come in the, children of, in the kingdom of God, get all the blessings and benefit, and then they are thrown out because they don't take being in the wine seriously? Let's pray that our Lord will help us um, with these challenges and uh, minister to our one another this way. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for uh, the ministry of uh, Jesus, the chief shepherd, the wine, true wine. We pray that uh, we'll be able to respond well to your uh, pruning that will remain in you and that we'll be able to have your words remain in us. Help us, Lord, so that we can bring glory to your name by bearing much fruit and prove to be your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.